Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the telecast again this week. Today is our part two of a little mini-series that we're doing here on God's promises. You know, now last week we shared with you how the promises of God are unfailing. They are assured and backed up by divine ability. They're grounded in Christ and of infinite value to the believer. And finally, we talked about the promises of God, all of them corporately culminate in everlasting life. Now this week, we want to pick up there, and we want to look first of all in Psalm number 30, in verse 5. Many times we find ourselves as Christians in need of the promises of God because of the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in. It's not easy for any one of us on any given day to maintain that positive attitude of faith that the Word of God declares is ours because of Christ Jesus. But God always promises us brighter days and better tomorrows. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 30, verse 5, where there's words in your Bible that read like this, For His anger is but for a moment. We spoke several programs ago about the chastisement of God and how that God uh, he, you know, God doesn't chastise the devil's children. God does not punish. He does not discipline. That's a better word. God does not discipline the enemy's children. You don't go over to your neighbor's house and discipline his kids. That's just the way it works. God only disciplines those who are his. So if you find yourself in a time, and I have many times throughout my life, in a time where God seems to be chastising you, for whatever purpose, you can know and rest assured that you belong to Him. And at, through that discipline process, that chastisement of the Lord, He brings reconciliation and restoration of fellowship. So God's uh, chastisings and His divine discipline is never to destroy you. It is always rather to enlighten you and enliven you with the Holy Spirit and bring you back into fellowship where He wants you to be. We're bad about looking around and deciding where we need to be. But God already knows where we need to be. Praise the Lord. He's already got it mapped out. We just have trouble sometimes following the map. But if we'll learn to do that, then we'll learn to see mighty, mighty things in each day that we live. So he says, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Listen to that. His favor is for life. This is in your Bible. It's Psalm 30, verse 5. And I want you to know that even in a time when the Lord is correcting you, He is doing it with His favor on your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Weeping, it says, may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. So we might have those times. We're going to. If you're a human being and you're walking the earth today, you're going to have those times where you're down. Uh, you're going to have some blue Mondays. You're going to have some, some rainy Tuesdays. You're going to have some opportunities to give in to depression. Yes, even Christians are going to have the opportunity to give in to a spirit of depression. 
but you don't have to do it. And one thing you can always count on in the Lord is that right up around the next bend, there is a joy-filled season for you and for me because of the blood of Jesus. And just as in God's discipline there is His favor, in our trouble we can find joy. I want to say that again. Just in the same way that in God's discipline there is His favor involved in it. Weak in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our circumstances that look black and dark and hopeless, we can find joy in the midst of the situation because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So God's promises uh, take us into brighter days. Also, the promises of God will take us into deliverance. Deliverance. Let's read Psalm 34, verse 19. Here's what the Bible says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Okay? Now, it, there's nowhere in your Bible that you're ever going to read, you come to Christ, and everything gets smooth sailing now. And everything's just going to be lovely and wonderful and great every day. Listen, not every message I preach is a great one. Not every song you hear is melodious. Not every poem you read rhymes. But I've often discovered that in those times when I think I'm at my weakest, and when I think that everything's not flowing together well and things aren't going right, it's during those times that God always shows up in a mighty way to let me know that it's not about me but it's all about Him. And so, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You and I, beloved, are going to have trouble just like the people in the world have trouble. But don't stop reading there. Please finish the rest of the verse. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Let's look at it in a broad picture. The worst case scenario in any Christian's life is to go home and be with the Lord. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, that's the very extreme worst case scenario. I've often said in 33 and a half years of preaching, you can't scare a Christian with heaven. Now, I'll ask you a question. Of all the problems that you've been in and all the situations you've faced in your life, how many times does the very worst happen? Not often. Very seldom in, in the predicaments of life, in the vicissitudes of life, in the trials and tribulations of life, very seldom is the worst case scenario the outcome of the situation. Usually it's, it's somewhere in between the best scenario and the worst scenario. It's usually somewhere in between there. And so around every corner, as we've said, there's joy in the morning, and there's deliverance from every affliction for the child of God. Deliverance takes many forms. Uh, deliverance can come in the way of totally removing the obstacle, or it can come in the way of relief in the midst of the heat of the day. But either way, 
deliverance will be there. Let's read Psalm 34:20 also. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. So you see, that's a word picture of Jesus when he hung on the cross. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was spit upon, he was scourged. And yet not one of his bones was broken. They beat him bad. They beat the Savior beyond recognition. But those bones were protected. Signifying to us that even in this horrible ordeal, the very core is protected. The very framework of the individual will be protected. This is how that many Christian martyrs in centuries gone by could go to a stake and be burned at the stake for their faith in Christ. Many were beheaded for their faith in Christ. And how, you wonder, how did they walk to that place? How did they go there without recanting their faith, with, without denying His name? But somewhere in the deep of them came the grace and the strength. Because the bones, the very framework of your life, if you're in Christ, will be protected. Praise God. So we see that the, the promises of God promises brighter days. It promises deliverance. It also promises, and I want to read three verses of Scripture on this one, divine care in sickness. Now, we talked a little bit last week about healing. And um, I'm going to say some of these things again because I believe it, it needs to be repeated. Um, and what I want to tell you is this. Uh, it is quite obvious that not everybody gets healed when they need to be healed. And I mean, people die every day. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. And um, here's what I believe about healing, and I, I don't want to belabor it because there's many roads we could travel with this if we want to discuss healing. I've seen God do mighty miracles in my ministry and in my life, and I've seen God time and time again perform healings and miracles and deliverances that were just mind-boggling. If you have a sickness in your body and you need a healing touch from the Lord, the Bible in every area where you would look encourages you, exhorts you, commands you to seek after the Lord for that healing with every fiber of your being, not letting up not giving in to doubt and unbelief and fear and panic, but rather praying the prayer of faith, calling for the elders of the church. They will anoint you with oil. They will pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will raise you up. Now, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says to ask and you shall receive. And so when I face a situation in my body, when you face a situation in your body, we can't allow ourselves, our minds, our thought life, to go to those that we know that didn't get it for whatever reason. You see, we don't know their situation. We don't know how the Lord was dealing with them. We don't know. So we cannot look at the ones who do not receive and base our faith upon that. Our faith needs to be based totally and completely on the Word of God. And if you need a healing in your body, go for it. Go after it in Jesus' name. Let's read some scripture here. And it builds faith for healing. In Psalm 41, verse 3, here's what the Bible says. It says, The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. Sometimes we just need help to cope with what we're going through. 
The Lord promises divine care in sickness. It, it says you will sustain him on his sick bed. So there's, there's, there's a day coming when you're coming off of that sick bed one way or the other. Now the Lord heals. I believe the Lord heals everyone, ultimately. Okay? You either get healed now, immediately, or you'll get healed over time, or you'll get healed in the resurrection. Okay? Praise God. Psalm 50 verse 15 says this, Call upon me in the day of trouble. Woo, that's a promise right there now, isn't it? Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Now here's the thing you want to make certain that when the Lord does a miracle in your life, when He does something for you, when He gives you something, when He blesses you with prosperity, when He touches your body with healing, when He promotes you on the job, when He promotes you in ministry, you want to make sure that you glorify Him. Hallelujah. Don't bring that glory to yourself. Don't talk about how great that you are. Don't talk about all the great things you did to get it. But give that glory to God. It says, you shall glorify Me. And in Psalm 138, verse 7, it says this, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. So sometimes the greatest prayer that a believer can pray, sometimes the most awesome dynamic prayer of faith and power that you and I as Christians can pray is just a simple prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And how many knows today that God delights in giving grace to His people? Yes, He does. Praise the Lord. We also see that the Bible promises us, one of God's promises to us is that we will have the comfort of God's presence. The comfort of God's presence. Let's read Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. You could say it another way today. When you pass through that dark time between jobs, I'll be with you. When you pass through those valleys of grief at the loss of a loved one, I'll be with you, he said. I'm right there. I'm holding your hand. I'm reaching out to you, God says. When you pass through that raging storm of addictions that has bound your life and held you captive for so long, so many years, I am with you. You see, God doesn't turn His back on you because you have a problem or because you're going through a storm. God will walk on the water we see this pictured in the life of Christ. God will walk across the tempestuous waves just to reach your life and to wrap His arms of love around you and deliver you and bring you through that storm that you might give Him glory. That's the God that we serve today. Praise His holy name forever. Forever and forever and forever. In Isaiah 51, 22, it says this, Thus says the Lord your God, Thus says the Lord, the Lord your God, who pleads the cause of His people. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. 
See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. Glory be to God. So we see here in these passages of Scripture that the, the Word of God promises us that God is at work in our lives every day. He gives us His Word. All through the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, are indications of God's activity on a daily basis in our lives. We are never alone. We are never without a word of hope and encouragement. We are never in a place where God cannot find us and God cannot reach us. God is always with us. The promises of God promise you and I an eternal home in heaven with Jesus forever. Praise God, John 14, 1. Let's read this wonderful scripture from John 14. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Now there's a good verse for all of us today. Amen? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then the second verse says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You know, every one of us in life, we're looking for our place. How many remembers that old Michael W. Smith song from years ago that talks about, I'm just looking, I'm searching for my place in this world. Well, you know, we may not have a place in this world that's too very popular, too very uh, enticing to look at, to think about. You know, some of us are called to a very humble life. Some, it seems like many people in the world today just eke out a meager existence on a day-by-day -day basis. And God loves them very, very much. And God loves every single human person irrespective of their socio-economic lot in life. But one thing is for certain, Jesus went to prepare a place for us. And it's not just any old place. It's a place of glory. It's a place of grandeur. It's a place of awesomeness. It's a place where divine power resonates day and night. It's a place of the miraculous. It's a place where what we would consider the miraculous is the norm there. What we would consider extraordinary here is ordinary in heaven. And Jesus is preparing us a place there. And when we get there, when we get to the place prepared, we never have to leave. You, you, you aren't going to be evicted. There's no rent to pay. The price has been paid, hallelujah to the Christ, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. Another thing we see in the promises of God and the Word of God, we see that all things work for the believer's good. Now, I want to bear down on that. Let's read Romans 8.28. Most of you know this verse by heart. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Alright? Now I want to bear down on several things as we get ready to close here this week. First of all, it says that all things, that's A-double-L, all things work together 
for the believer's good. Even the things that we would consider bad, even the things that we don't want, the things that we don't desire, the things that we don't like, the things that trouble us, the things that tempt us, the things that have hurt us, all, let's read it, read it in your Bible there, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, number one, do you love God? To those who are the called, number two, and God has called each and every one of us to follow Jesus at the very bare minimum. And it's according to, number three, His purpose. So we understand that God has purpose for our life that we don't even know. I was preaching a message the other day in a particular church, and I made this statement as the Holy Spirit began to quicken this on the inside of me. We, you and I are going to be performing a task, a function. We're going to be doing something three million years from now. And God is preparing us for that right now, and we don't know what it is. You th just stop a moment and think about that. You and I are going to have a function, a task to perform in the kingdom of heaven. Three million years from now, and I'm throwing that out just as an example. Ten billion years from now, we're going to be doing something in the kingdom of heaven. And right now, God's preparing us for that through life. And we don't know what that task is going to be. God is such an amazing, amazing God. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, For our light affliction. That's what, <clears throat> that's what the word of the Lord is calling the trials of our life. And in comparison to eternity, it is. It, none of us ever bore a cross. None of us have ever sweated blood over the agony of sin. You see what I'm saying? And, and compared to eternity, our light affliction is but for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what that does there, that verse attaches significance and importance to the way that we handle our trials and our tribulations and our tests upon the earth. It handles, it, it lays a heaviness to it that it's tremendously important and valuable that you and I walk through life clinging to the promises of God. Hallelujah. The, the promises of God also speak to us, and this is your answer, and this is where we'll leave off for this week. But the, the Bible speaks to us, and God has promised the sufficiency of divine grace. It's, see, it's grace that enables the believer to face the issues of life. It's grace that enables you and I to be able to hold up under a trial and to, to, to allow that trial rather than to just simply wound us and leave us crippled. Uh, the trial, because of grace, can carry a weight of significance and a weight of importance in our life and for all of eternity, beloved. So it's grace that does this. Let's read 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Here's what the Bible says. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. You know the story. 
Paul asked three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed. And how, and how I can relate to that today of many, many times I've asked God for things and I couldn't quite understand sometimes why he didn't seem to answer. But I'll tell you, God always answers. Sometimes he just answers in a way that we can't hear him because we don't want to hear what he's trying to say. But he always answers. And there's always purpose in every situation. And that purpose is his purpose and it comes from him. And we are enabled by grace to sustain under it. Let's finish reading the verse. Sufficiency of God's grace. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul made some strange statements to our ears when he said, When I am weak, then I'm strong. And he says, In this moment of weakness, in this moment of infirmity, the power of Christ comes and rests upon me. And I, I can testify to that today, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, if we will fellowship with the sufferings of Christ in the spiritual sense, if we will allow Him to come to us in our moments of weakness and infirmity, He will resurrect the situation and cause it to turn out for His glory. It is the promise of God, it is the word of the Lord, and it shall stand forever, ladies and gentlemen. Not one word of all of God's good promises will ever fall to the ground and produce nothing. Glory to God. If God said it, it will come to pass. It will certainly come to pass in our lives. The, the point, the position that you and I are in is we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We need to be a willing vessel. I mean, that's, that's the two things. We need to have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, and we need to be a willing vessel that God can flow through by His Spirit, and He will turn our situation for His glory. This is the series on the promises of God. There are many of them in the Bible. We're just giving you a rough outline of what God wants to do in your life. And I pray that this week coming up, that you will take the time to study the Word of God. And go, go to hunting promises and look at what God has to say to you. And incorporate that. Allow the Holy Spirit to work it out in your life the way He chooses to work it out. The way that He desires because He will always have your good in heart and mind. And the outcome will always be God's best for you. We might not understand it, we might not see it, and sometimes we might not even believe it. But it will be the case if you will allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in your heart and life. Praise God. Father, thank You for this few moments here today with these people. Lord God, I pray that You'll take this Word and that you'll drive it to our hearts like arrows of mighty deliverance today. God, enlighten our minds and open our spirits that we might receive the truth of God today. And we pray it all in Jesus' name, exalting the King of kings and the Lord of lords, giving you all the praise and glory. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen. Today, this is